What's up guys? Welcome back to another episode of Where Optimal Meets Practical, where we talk all things training, nutrition, and mindset optimization, while making sure to not lose sight of the practical and applicable side of things. I'm your host, Jordan Lips, and I just wanted to say thank you for taking time out of your day to tune in. I appreciate you. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. What's going on, guys? I know the intro said welcome back, but this is obviously the first episode, so I appreciate you being here, and I really look forward to using this platform to expand on some of the things that I really feel require more context and more breaking down than a 15-second Instagram story will allow. So most of the episodes are going to be either a solo episode of me, maybe a Q&A, maybe breaking down a larger topic, and I'm going to make sure that we have guests on here who specialize in specific topics that really require an open um, educational conversation to get to the bottom and really get some good takeaways from some of these more complex thoughts. So today's episode is going to be a Q&A. I put up a Q&A box on Instagram and I took some of the questions that I felt would have been better answered with a little bit more context instead of a 15 second Instagram story. So the first question we have is about skinny fatness. And the question reads, I'm skinny fat, lean, not, not lean, not too much muscle, should I bulk or cut first? Now, for those of you guys who don't know what skinny fatness is, quote unquote, it's a body composition where you're kind of not overweight, but still kind of soft, where you aren't very heavy, but you also don't have a lot of muscle. You have more body fat than you want. So you're kind of in this middle ground of not overweight, but at the same time, not uh, lean or toned or muscular. You're kind of in this middle ground of needing more muscle and less fat to look where you want to go. Now, what I will say is, I'm impressed that this person recognizes that they have to do both. Most people, the body that you want has both more muscle and less fat than you do right now. So between where you are now and where you want to go, you will have to go through some cutting phases and some muscle building phases. The idea that you're just going to cut your way to the body you want is very unlikely unless you're starting with a ton of muscle mass, which most of us are not. So the way this question was phrased, which do I have to do first impresses me to some degree because it it shows me that you recognize you're going to have to do both at some point. A lot of people just think, I'm just going to get really, really lean, and then that's it. I'm done. And a lot of times what happens is you shred down, you lose a bunch of body fat, and you don't like the way you look because the truth is the body that you actually have in your head that you want has more muscle than you do right now. So going through some periods of dedicated muscle building, which means or means a surplus, means intentional weight gain. I know it's scary, but chances are the body you want requires it. So if you are skinny fat, which means you're, you know, you're at a relatively lean body, uh, body weight, a relatively low body weight, relatively lean body fat percentage, not that lean. And you also don't have that much muscle and you know, you need to do both, which should you do first? Now I will say that usually this question comes from somebody who has enough fat that going into a surplus right away probably isn't the best thing. So I would probably take that one off the table for most people in most situations. And I think I would add in another option, which is eating at around maintenance, doing body recomposition. So instead of going into a surplus, maximizing muscle gain, usually the people asking this question are also relatively new to training. And they probably don't even require a surplus to build a lot of muscle very quickly because they're new to training and the training stimulus is very novel. So you could either eat at around maintenance and maximize body recomposition. You'll be building muscle and burning fat, creating a really nice net benefit on your physique long-term, or you could go into a deficit and still benefit from some recomposition where you would be building muscle in a deficit. Now, 
not everybody can do recomp in a deficit. Not everybody can build muscle in a deficit. There are only certain circumstances where this is advisable or, or even going to happen to an appreciable degree. And that's if you are new to training and that training stimulus is so novel that you don't need an excess of calories to maximize muscle growth. You can just look at a freaking dumbbell and you grow. So if you're new to training, you can do recomp. And more often than not, the person asking this question is relatively new to training. So they can embrace this recomp either in a deficit or in maintenance. The second time you can really see an appreciable amount of recomp is if you're coming off a layoff. Maybe you just took some time off training or you were injured and you're regaining muscle that you once had. So you're you know, utilizing muscle memory to build muscle and then you could also be losing fat if you're in a deficit. And the third scenario where you can really benefit from recomp is if you've, maybe you've, maybe you've trained for a couple of years, maybe you've quote unquote, you know, paid attention to your diet for a couple of years, but you've never dialed in both of them together. You've never gotten on a properly designed, high volume, proper intensity resistance train program and gotten yourself to at least uh, an optimal range in terms of macro distribution and done it consistently for some time. So even if you've been lifting and quote unquote eating clean or eating healthy for some time, you probably still have some room to grow and definitely recomp if you turn those knobs all the way up. If you uh, get on a really good program that focuses on, focuses on progressive overload and finally dial in your nutrition, you still have some quote unquote newbie gains to make. So back to the original question, what should you do first? Well, we've taken surplus off the table and now you have either eating at around maintenance or going to a slight deficit. No matter which one of those you choose, make sure you're eating enough protein and make sure you're on a proper resistance training program and you'll see really great recomp results. You will see fat loss and muscle gain at the same time. So whichever one of those you do, you will enjoy a immediate net benefit in your physique, a net improvement in your physique. Now between those two, if you think you'd enjoy being a little bit leaner in the near future, maybe it's summer or you have an event coming up, or you just want to start a mass gain phase in the future from a leaner point, then you could totally argue that doing a cut right now would be great. Just remember, whichever one of those you pick, keep protein high, about one gram per pound. We're going to go into that. I have another question on that soon. About one gram per pound of body weight, enough lifting, and enjoy recomp while you can. The second question that we had for today was, I'm a 5'6 female. I've been lifting for about a year. Should I take creatine? Now, before we jump into the question, why would anybody take creatine? What are the benefits of creatine? What are the potential downsides of creatine? Well, the benefits of creatine come from an increase in power and strength and thereby an increase in muscle mass because you'll be able to lift heavier and harder in your workouts. So more power and strength, increase in muscle mass. And there's also lots of emerging research right now showing the cognitive benefits of creatine. Now, how does creatine work? Very quickly, when you perform short bout of intense exercise, most of that exercise is fueled by ATP. Actually, all of your exercise in some degree is fueled by ATP, but specific to weight training, a lot of that, that strength and power is fueled by ATP. Now, when you use ATP, it becomes ADP. It loses one of the Ps. It goes from adenosine triphosphate to adenosine diphosphate. Long story short, you lose a P. Now, in order to use ATP again, that ADP needs another P 
to become ATP again so that you can use it again and you can perform at your best. Now, your body uses creatine to bring ADP back to ATP. Creatine will actually lend a phosphate over to ADP to create ATP again. Now, taking creatine will give your body more creatine stores so that that process of creating ADP back to ATP will go more efficiently and faster so that you can have better workouts. You're regenerating ATP faster. You're going to have more power for each set and thus over time more muscle mass. Now, in terms of cognitive benefit, your brain also uses a lot of ATP. So the same exact process. When you use ATP, it becomes ADP. And then your, your body's creatine stores lend a phosphate to that ADP. It becomes ATP again. And you can utilize it and continue on with whatever either cognitive function or physical function that you are using it for. So those are all really good reasons to take creatine. I mean, it's a pretty compelling argument. I have improved strength, improved power, improved muscle mass, and lots of emerging research to show cognitive benefits. Sounds like a pretty good idea. Now, are there any downsides? Well, creatine is one of the most well-researched supplements, if not the most well-researched supplements, and we have yet to see any downsides on longitudinal research, 30-year studies. It's something that occurs naturally. Creatine is a, is a supplement that occurs naturally within food. It's not like you're taking some you know, exogenous chemical that your body doesn't make, and you know, it's not like you're shooting up like uh, testosterone. or It's none of those things. It's something that's found in food, found mostly in animal proteins, which is why if you're a vegan listening, chances are creatine should be at the top of your list of supplements you should be taking. And all you're doing is topping out your body's creatine stores. You're just allowing your body to have a full tank in which it can, from which it can donate phosphates over to ADP to create ATP, and thus you can continue working hard. Now, the downside of creatine, one might say, is that, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to get bloated and I'm just going to get all this water weight. That actually happens a whole lot less than people think. It's, a, it's, a, it's not a myth that it doesn't happen, but it's overstated. Not only is it overstated, but we, we hear water retention and we, get, we, we clam up. We get really scared as if water retention is the be-all, end-all. And it's a terrible thing. And you know, all of a sudden, you're going to look super bloated. That's not the way this works. When you take creatine and there is water retention, a lot of that water retention is within the muscle. So it's not like all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, like my belly's all bloated. That water retention often happens within the muscle. So you actually look bigger and stronger in the places you want to look bigger and stronger, not arbitrarily holding onto water in your, in your love handles or something like that. That's not how that works. So that being the only potential downside makes it pretty much a, a, a great argument to take creatine. Now, are there populations that shouldn't take creatine? Likely, no. Likely, all populations will benefit from creatine, especially elder, el the elderly. There's a lot of new emerging research, especially in terms of fighting sarcopenia and muscle uh, de degradation, where creatine has been shown to be extremely beneficial in those populations. Now, for the same reasons, it's beneficial to all populations. A lot of times in the, you know, it's seen as a supplement for the bros who are trying to get jacked and women can sometimes shy away from it. Let me tell you this. My mother takes creatine and you could argue everybody should take creatine. It falls under the category of supplements that won't hurt and will likely help. And that's not a lot of supplements. That's a very short list. There is no downside and plenty of 
upside. Now, is it a big rock that's going to take your double your bench and or, or, or put 100 pounds on your squat? Definitely not. But it has been shown very reliably to increase power and strength, thereby increasing muscle mass. And there's a lot of good emerging research to show cognitive benefits. So there's really no good reason not to take it. You might say, well, I don't want to pay a lot of money for supplements. Can I just eat food and I'll do great and I don't need to spend all this money on supplements? 100%. It's not a needle mover. You're not going to all of a sudden get strong. You're not going to all of a sudden double your lifts. But creatine has no downside and is extremely cheap. You can buy an entire year's worth of creatine for like 13 bucks. So it's cheap, has no downside, is well studied, and has reliably shown to have benefits. So the answer to your question, I'm a 5'6 female, have been lifting for about a year, should I take creatine? The answer is probably yes. Now, should you focus on taking creatine more than you focus on your workouts, your fatigue management, your nutrition, your protein, your carbohydrates, your sleep? Absolutely not. But if all those knobs are pulled, right, if all those knobs are turned in the right direction and you still have room to think about supplements and you know that it might help a little bit, then I absolutely don't see why not and I would recommend that you take creatine about three to five grams per day. You can take it whenever the hell you want. You can get it in powder form. I prefer it in capsule form. I just don't like putting powder. It's like tasteless. It's like a tasteless powder. So sometimes it can be kind of nasty unless you're putting it in a shake. I like taking it in capsules. It's super cheap. It's going to help. It's not going to hurt. If you retain water, it's going to be in the muscle cells and it's going to actually make you look bigger slash more defined slash more toned, whatever you know adjective you want to use there. Now, our last question for the day was, do I need more or less protein in a surplus? So let's take a couple steps back from that and let's talk about protein requirements in general. So protein requirements in general to maximize muscle mass is probably something like around 0.7 grams per pound of body weight, about 1.6 grams per kg. Now, Upwards of about one gram per body per pound of body weight, or 1.2 or 1.3, 1.4 grams per pound of body weight, has also been shown to be slightly more beneficial in certain populations. Now, when you're in a deficit, you your body is going to fill that energy deficit with energy stored on your body, and you don't want that energy to be pulled from your muscles. So when you're in a deficit, you're trying to send signals to your body that hey. Don't touch my muscle, right? Take this extra energy that you need. Take it from my fat stores. So how do you do that? The best signal that you can send to your body to tell it, hey, don't touch this muscle is working out, is the training stimulus. So bar none, the best stimulus, that the best signal you can send to your body that says, hey, do not touch my muscle, take my energy from somewhere else, fat stores, is through the training stimulus. Now, also, the second best thing you can do in order to maintain muscle mass in a deficit or send a signal to your body that says, hey, don't touch my muscle, is eating enough protein. So when you're in a deficit, protein requirements probably come up a little bit because you want to make sure that you're really sending a strong signal that says, hey, don't touch my muscle. You want to be retaining, if not building muscle in a deficit. So when you come out of a deficit, whether you're in maintenance or you go up into a surplus, technically speaking, protein requirements come down because your body's no longer in an energy deficit, your body's getting all the energy it needs from the food you're eating, it's way less likely to pull extra energy from your body in any way because you're not in a deficit. So protein requirements, technically speaking, come down. Now, 
when you go into a surplus, let's say you were your maintenance calories is 2000 and you're going up to 2500. You could say that protein requirements come down. Maybe you're 150 pounds and you were eating 150 grams of protein. And now you're going into a surplus and you're like, okay, I only need to eat 130 grams of protein. Well, if all of those grams were coming from a high quality protein source with a complete amino acid profile, all the essential amino acids, you'd probably be totally fine. That would be absolutely cool. If you were getting that all that protein from complete proteins like chicken, like at most animal proteins, whey, um, soy. And if that was how you were getting all of the protein, you, you would be absolutely correct. Protein requirements would come down. You'd be totally fine. You'd see maximum benefit with under one gram per pound of body weight. Now, there is one wrench that gets thrown into that conversation. Is if you go from eating 2,000 calories to 2,500, chances are a lot of that jump is going to be from carbohydrates. And you're going to be getting additional residual grams of protein through eating more bread or you're having more pasta, you're having more beans, you're having more rice. That's going to tack protein onto your total number for the day. So if you go up in calories, specifically from carbohydrates, which might have unique benefits, and then you come down in total protein amount. So now you come down to 130 grams of protein, but you're getting an extra 25, 30 grams of protein residually from these carbohydrate sources, which are not complete protein sources that don't have the ideal amino acid profile that you want. All of a sudden, you've actually taken your total, total protein number, brought it down to 130, but that 130 doesn't properly represent full amino acid complete proteins. So you might only be now getting, you know, let's say relatively speaking, 100 grams of protein and 30 of those grams of protein are coming from incomplete sources, which is suboptimal. So what do we do? Well, probably best practice is to keep protein at around the same amount, whether you're in a deficit, maintenance, or surplus. Because when you're in a deficit, chances are you're getting, you're focusing on lean proteins, complete proteins, and that number stays high enough at around you know, 0.8 to 1.5 grams per pound. And when you go up into maintenance and you're eating more carbs and you go into a surplus and you're eating more carbs, you don't want those carbs to make up the bulk of that total protein number per day. So you wanna make sure that you're still getting around one gram per pound in a surplus. Now, I would actually say that having a rule of thumb of at least 0.7 to 1.5 or 0.8 to 1.5 grams per pound in general is a really good plan. But keep an eye on your protein when you go up into a surplus. Don't let it drop low just because you think that, okay, I'm not in a deficit. My body's not going to extract energy from my muscles. It's going to take fat. You know, it has all the energy it needs from food. So you drop your protein. Because I've seen this time and time again, especially the higher your calories go. I have some clients right now eating, you know, 3,500 calories, three, four, 500 carbs a day. That can add up to a lot of grams of protein. And if you take that number and drop it off your total amount, you will be getting suboptimal results. You want to make sure that the protein, you're getting the majority of your protein from whole complete protein sources. And when you put it in my fitness pal, that it's not going to make that distinction. I hope that helps guys. I really appreciate appreciate you guys being here for the first episode. And I'm really looking forward to more episodes in the future. So if you guys liked the episode, please take a screenshot from wherever you're watching it and post it to your social media. If you want to ask me a question or you want to see a podcast, listen to a podcast on a specific topic, don't be afraid to reach out to me via email or DM. You can find me at Jordan Lips Fitness on Instagram or www.jordanlipsfitness.com. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a great day.